It's not something extra we do to connect people to Jesus. It's not an extra chore or a task on our agenda. No, connecting people with Jesus, making disciples, is something that happens in the moment, in the unexpected, interrupted time where we stop and we're not irritated that somebody wants a moment of our time. But we see an opportunity to love them and serve them and connect with them. Church, what would our city look like if every one of us, you and me alike, was prepared to be interrupted, to see those moments as God-given moments in which we can be joyful and not frustrated. Hi, this is Chris from The Point, a church where you can come as you are and you can text in your questions. You may not be sure what you believe about God, Jesus, faith, or the Bible, and that's okay because faith is not about having it all figured out and God is not waiting for you to put your life together before he'll connect with you. If you'd like to find out more about The Point, you can visit our website at thepointknox.com or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at The Point Knox. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. at the Regal Downtown West Cinema 8, located at 1640 Downtown West Boulevard. We pray this message has an impact in your life, or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are. Good morning, Point family. It is so good to gather with you today. For those of you who are joining us who are new in this community, my name is Adam, and I'm the pastor here at this church. And I have to tell you, I love these Sunday mornings with you. But you know what? Something for me is really missing. 2020 started out for me as this really exciting year. I'm a guy who likes plays on words, and so I was excited for 2020, right? Because perfect vision is 2020, and so I was like, this will be the year to think what the future holds and to dream of what God's doing. This will be the year to clarify where I think he's moving us. And I also think hindsight's 2020, and so I thought to myself, you know, this would be a perfect year to look back and reflect. Where have we been for the first 10 years as a church? As we prepare to celebrate our anniversary, what has God done? What has God um, brought to us and, and where has he moved us? And I was so excited for what this year held. And I don't know if you're like me, but 2020 has been anything but what I expected. 2020 so far has taught me a couple of really important lessons. And here's the first one. Life gets interrupted. Expect the unexpected. The things you plan, the things you dream, the hopes you have may not come to pass, or they may come to pass in ways you never planned for. Like for me, I never anticipated in my wildest dream that for over nine weeks I would be gathering with you in your living room from Emily's living room thanks to a whole host of technology. I never imagined this. Expect the unexpected. Be prepared to be interrupted. And then something else 2020 has taught me is that our life, our world, is filled with silent killers. Invisible to the naked eye, things that we don't see and we don't notice and the symptoms seem small and not that significant until suddenly these silent killers come out of the darkness and seem to overpower us and overtake us and destroy our friends and our families and our livelihood and the hopes and dreams 
things seem to change in a moment. And I'm not talking about the silent killer of COVID-19 or coronavirus. That's not what I think is most important today. You know, what I've realized in 2020 and over this time of pandemic and this time at home, I've realized there's a greater killer, something that's destroying our relationships far faster than any safer at home or any COVID or any pandemic could. Want to know what it is? Busyness. Busyness. For the dawn of time, from the dawn of time, busyness has been a silent killer in the background, a thing that is moving and shaping you and me and our communities. And oftentimes we're completely unaware of the deadliness that is creeping into our lives. Here's what I mean. Before this pandemic hit, perhaps you were like me. Your day was filled to the brim with people to meet with with work to be done, with places to go and things to do, your life was filled to the brim with many things that were probably really good. You had your kids' music lessons, or your kids' sports activities, or dance practice, or all of these things you did. The friends you met at the bar, the, the people you went out with all the time. Was your life ever like mine? I didn't realize just how busy it was until this pandemic forced me to stop and to slow down. And I have to tell you, I don't really like slowing down. Slowing down isn't my natural state, but it's really healthy and really needed. Today, as we talk about where do we go from here, what does life after pandemic look like, this is what I hope you hear. You and I, as Christians, need to learn to slow down, to begin to expect the unexpected and be okay when life is interrupted. We're going to look at Ecclesiastes chapter 2 today as we look at this idea of busyness. If you're not familiar with Ecclesiastes, it's a pretty depressing book, and it's also really encouraging. See, it's written by Solomon, the wisest man to ever live, Near the end of his life, as he's an old, wise man, he's reflecting on his life. And if you're not familiar with his life, Solomon had everything. He had wisdom, and he had wealth, and he had power as the king. He had it all. In fact, not only did he have those things, he had relationships galore. I mean, any woman, any wife he wanted, he had them all. And yet, as he looked back on his life, he realized everything was empty. Everything was pointless and was meaningless. And so Ecclesiastes is him spelling out one thing after the next. This which I labored and toiled for. This which I pursued. This which I once thought was so important. It's vain. And it's empty. And it doesn't matter. And he spells out one thing after the next until we get to chapter 2. And the second half of chapter 2, the very end, he talks about his work. Now, many of us have been forced to work from home during this time. And I don't know if you know this or not. I don't know if you've recognized what I've recognized. But in many ways, working from home is actually almost more difficult. And here's why. Our work-life balance as Americans before this pandemic hit was already really uh, stressed and strained. 
Since the rise of the cell phone and the email on your phone, the idea that you need to be available and work all the time and answer an email at any time of the night has been steadily rising. In fact, the average person who works in an office receives over 127 emails a day, many of which they're expected to respond to every day. But when you work from home, it's kind of difficult to set the boundary between this is my work time and this is my home life. And so it's easy to read emails while sitting at the breakfast table with your kids, while sitting at the dinner table with your wife. It's easy to read emails while laying in bed. And instead of having conversations, instead of connecting with the ones you love, you're busy. Or maybe it's not your work emails that keeps you busy. It's your social media that you're scrolling endlessly for fear of missing out, for wanting to keep up, for just sheer wanting to avoid boredom. In Ecclesiastes chapter 2, he talks about our work and just how meaningless our work can be. This is what he says, chapter 2, verse 18. I hated all my toil in which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me. And who knows whether he will be wise or a fool. Yet he will be master of all for which I toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. This also is vanity. He says, look, I work and I work and I work. But at the end of my day, somebody else receives the benefit of all my work. Somebody else receives from all of my busyness and all of my doing and all of the stuff that I did. Somebody else gets to use it. And they might squander it. They might waste it. They might let it all fall apart and completely disintegrate. My work is pointless. Do you see why this book is kind of depressing? Then he goes on. So I turned about and gave my heart up to despair over all the toil of my labors under the sun. Because sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. He says, look, I turned my heart over to despair. I realized that my busyness was going nowhere. Growing up, my parents used this phrase a lot. And only in recent months have I really begun to understand what it means. Uh, they would often say that they were busier than a one-legged man in a butt-kicking contest. That always made me chuckle, but... Now I kind of get it. Can you just picture that mental image? A one-legged man attempting to fight with kickboxing? How hard it would be to kick and balance and stand and not fall over? How hard they would have to work just to break even? Busier than a one-legged man in a butt-kicking contest. For what? At the end of your day, somebody else will receive everything you worked for. But then he goes on. This also is vanity and a great evil. What has a man from all the toil and striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun? For all his days are full of sorrow, and all his work is a vexation. Even in the night his heart does not rest. This also is vanity. This is, look, this labor that we give ourselves to, this busyness that we throw ourselves behind, these things we seek to accomplish and do for the sake of our children, for the sake of our families, for the sake of our boss, for the sake of our neighbors and their expectations of us. He says all of it leaves us with nothing. 
So much so that even at night we struggle to sleep. Our hearts are filled with despair and we do not rest. Have you ever been there? After a long, exhausting day of work, whether that work was with your family or your friends or in your place of employment, you lay in bed and you want to sleep, your body is worn out and your mind doesn't shut shut off. It doesn't stop telling you all the things you should have done differently, all the things you forgot to accomplish, all the things you didn't do correctly, all the things still to do tomorrow. You find your heart racing with this bit of anxiety. Busyness. We give ourselves over to whatever comes our way all the time. I heard it once said that busy is really an acronym that actually stands for being under Satan's yoke. This idea that the more busy we become, the more productive we try to be, the less we actually find time for the things God is doing, for the things he wants to do, for the things that are actually most important to us. Solomon, he continues, and this is his solution, there is nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? He says, look, at the end of the day, the only thing that matters about your day, the only thing important, is eating and drinking and finding joy in God. Eating and drinking and and recognizing every gift God has given, even if it's not what you hoped for, even if it's not what you planned for, even if it's not what you wanted. Recognizing all that he has done and is doing and thank him for it. Be filled with joy. He goes on then and he says in chapter 3, he says this poem. Uh, and it's a poem all about time. Basically, there's a time for everything. In some seasons of life, we should go a little faster. In other seasons of life, we need to slow down a little more. In some seasons of life, we're really happy. And in others, things are really hard. But in every season of life, God is there, no matter what. And then he continues in verse 9. What gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart. It's so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. He says, look, I have seen that there is a beauty in every season. In the good and in the bad, in the hard and in the simple, there is a beauty in everything. And this is the business God has given to man. To discover that endless, timeless, eternal beauty of God in the midst of all things. This is what we are to be about. But I don't know if you're anything like me. Sometimes my busyness, that is for really good reasons, actually takes away from more important things. Like I find myself thinking of all the things I need to do and not making time to play Simon Says with my son. I don't know why that's his new thing, but he wants to play that. I find myself thinking about all the things I have yet to do and all the projects that I I need to accomplish and all the work left ahead of me. I forget that my daughter is right there wanting me to read her a book. One thing I've heard from so many people during this safer at home time is that for the first time in years, they're having family dinner. 
for the first time in years, they're stopping and actually slowing down and enjoying the moment and putting the phone down and focusing on each other. See, our busyness can be really good things that distract us from the most important things. And more important than that, I think our busyness can actually take away from the opportunities God is putting in front of us. See, if we read in the New Testament about the life of Jesus, I would say of you and me and anybody I know, Jesus has a pretty important job, right? Like the Son of God come to earth to share the whole picture of who God is, to redeem mankind. What does Jesus do? There's a story that I really love in the Gospels where Jesus is healing the sick and casting out demons and doing all these miracles. And he gets up early in the morning and he goes away. And he just sneaks off to be by himself and to focus on the Father. And his disciples, they are frantic because all these people are coming with their sick and they're dying, saying, we need more from Jesus. We need something from him. Come, heal my sick, heal my loved ones, do this work. And the disciples finally, after frantically searching, find Jesus alone with his Father, praying. They say, Jesus, we've been looking for you. There are all these people who need you. Come back and do the things we have seen you do. But Jesus responds, this is not what my Father has for me. I need to leave. And he just walks away from all of these people who are hurting. And all of these people who have come seeking his power. And he walks away to go somewhere else and to proclaim who he is and to tell the world what he's come to do. And then as he's going, not just in that moment, but so many other moments throughout the New Testament, as Jesus is in the middle of going from one place to another, oftentimes with really important ambitions and really important end goals, people interrupt him all the time. As he's going from one place to another, people stop him and say, Jesus, heal my son. Jesus, raise the dead. Jesus, I'm in need. Set me free. Jesus, please. And what I love about the Gospels is even as Jesus has his priorities fixed, that he takes time away from the ministry to focus on his father, even as Jesus has a clear future vision and and plan for what's coming, Every time he's interrupted on the way, he stops and he brings healing and hope and peace and freedom and joy to those who are hurting. But for me, when I get interrupted on the way, when the cashier at Food City wants to talk for a few minutes longer than I was prepared to talk, or the driver in front of me in the car is going 15 miles below the speed limit when we all know the speed limit is just a speed suggestion, right? When I forget that I I needed one more thing from the store and I'm angrily going back for that one thing I forgot I went there to begin with, for me in the busyness of life, I often don't want to make room for the interruptions. I don't want to stop and see the unexpected, the opportunities to love and to serve and to share the hope of Jesus with others. Church, where do we go from here? In light of pandemic, where do we as a church go forward? I think we need to do two things. First, we need to stop being so busy. We need to stop doing all the things that we've been able to stop doing during this safer at home time. We need to determine for ourselves, for our families, what things are the most important. 
maybe for you the most important things needs to become regular time for dinner with your spouse. Maybe it needs to become consistent dates where you and your wife go out without the kids and you don't talk about work and you don't talk about children. You just talk about how much you love each other and the things you hope for in your life. Maybe the priorities you need to set are making intentional time to go and be with your father, to seek him and to find him, to not get distracted by all the emails and the to-dos, but to say now is only about God. The rest will happen later. After we identify our priorities, church, this is what I think we need to do. Going forward, be prepared to be interrupted. Be prepared for God to stop you in ways you're not expecting. I don't like that this slowing down has come through a pandemic. I don't like that this slowing down has kept me from seeing you face to face every single week. I don't like that this slowing down has happened in the way it has. But I really like that God is using this and he's working in this to connect you and I to something bigger than our Sunday morning gatherings, something better than our events and our activities and our things that we love to do. No, he's using this to connect us with him and with his priorities and his mission. One of the last things Jesus said to his disciples before he left was what's known as this uh, great commission. He says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples. But more accurately read, it should say, as you go, therefore, make disciples. It's not something extra we do to connect people to Jesus. It's not an extra chore or a task on our agenda. No, connecting people with Jesus, making disciples, is something that happens in the moment in the unexpected, interrupted time where we stop and we're not irritated that somebody wants a moment of our time, but we see an opportunity to love them and serve them and connect with them. Church, what would our city look like if every one of us, you and me alike, was prepared to be interrupted, to see those moments as God-given moments in which we can be joyful and not frustrated? This chapter 3, it continues here in Ecclesiastes, and he says this, I perceived that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. God's gift to you and to me today is his very own son who was not too busy for us didn't have these high, lofty goals and ambitions that prevented him from stopping along the way and loving and caring and serving you and me. Likewise, we, we get to be joyful in all things. And we get to do good for the sake of our neighbor, for the sake of our family, even for the sake of our own health and our own souls. This is where I think we need to go from here, church. We need to identify our priorities and be prepared to be interrupted. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that you would take time for us, that you have created a season for all things. And whatever this season holds, God, whatever is to come, help us to see you.
Help us to focus on the most important priorities, the things that matter more than any other. Help us to identify what we need to say yes to so that we can say no to the things that aren't important. Help us to slow down, to rest, to experience you in every moment. And when life throws us curveballs, when the unexpected happens and we're interrupted along the way, help us in those moments to see you at work, to make disciples, to love our neighbor, to be joyful and do good in all circumstances. Thank you, God, for this forced slowing down. Help us to not lose this as we go back to a new life and new normal. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to one of our Sunday morning messages. If this message has made an impact in your life, please let us know. Simply fill out the Contact Us page on thepointknox.com. And if you'd like to be a part of supporting The Point Ministry, simply go to thepointknox.com forward slash support. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. at the Regal Downtown West Cinema 8 located at 1640 Downtown West Boulevard. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are.